John chapter 5, 24 to 29. And I'm starting a new series today called Certain Future. You know, um, if I had said to you last Easter at this time, if I had said to you that next Easter, there, it is going to be the most unusual time that, that people will, will have to stay in their homes. And on Easter Sunday, all around the globe, church buildings will be empty at the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus. You would not have believed me because you bank on certain things. I mean, you, you would never guess that the, that the buildings of, of the churches around the globe would be empty t- today, one year ago. You wouldn't have guessed that. You know, I think it's really interesting that sometimes we think that certain things are very for sure, like they're very certain, when in fact they're uncertain. And we think about things that are very certain according to the scripture, and we ask questions of them as if they're uncertain. And for the next few weeks, I just want to begin unpacking what the scripture says we can hold on to with certainty. And the very first thing that we're going to come to today is what I'm going to title the message, Certain Resurrection. And we're talking about the certain resurrection of Jesus Christ, but we're also talking about the certain resurrection of you and of me. And so let's think about this for just a minute as we read the scripture. So John chapter 5, 24 to 29, John chapter 5, 24 to 29. Here's what the scripture says. Truly I say to you, whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Truly I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all of you who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Now, when we come to this day, certainly we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And there are really two things I want to focus on this morning uh, in, in part so we understand with certainty what's happened in the past and also what will happen in the future. So the first thing we need to look at and understand is that the resurrection of Jesus is certain. Now, many people will question this or be skeptical about it, and there are a lot of good questions to ask. But the resurrection of Jesus Christ historically, in my opinion, and according to the scriptures, is certain. And there's many reasons I believe that. First, just the textual evidence that we have. The, uh, the, the pages of the scripture that are backed up with layers and layers and layers of historical textual evidence, the geography, the archaeology, the reliability of the scriptures, all of it, the prophecy, the things that were prophesied, like Psalm chapter 16, verse 10, written hundreds and hundreds of years before the crucifixion of Christ, before his death, burial, and resurrection. 
It's a messianic psalm. Psalm 16.10 says, For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You see, all the people that were reading the Hebrew Bible, the Torah, the writings, uh, they were all, the prophets, they were all looking forward to the Messiah, to the coming of the one that would die for the sins of many, but his body, his soul would not see corruption. He would be raised again. And this side of the cross, we're all looking back at that historical event with the New Testament in our hands, now seeing with clarity that Jesus fulfilled all of this. The resurrection of Jesus is certain, but but perhaps the thing that, that makes me understand with certainty that there's no doubt that the resurrection happened are the eyewitness accounts, the eyewitness accounts. And I'm gonna do it in this order. I'm gonna share these accounts in this order because for some of you, that are like baby boomer generation, maybe older Gen Xers, you're gonna connect with this. Uh, We're gonna look at Peter, Paul, and Mary. It'll make it easy for you to uh, remember. Peter, Paul, and Mary. So let's talk about Peter for just a minute. Peter, the disciple Peter. The disciple Peter is oldest among the disciples. He walks with Jesus. He's kind of the leader of the disciples uh, among the disciples. And Jesus... I mean, says things to Peter that are astounding, like, Peter, on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against me. Being Peter, while Jesus is walking, is like the one that, that, that you would follow. He's gregarious, and, he, and, he, and he's just that guy. But when it comes to the arrest of Jesus and the, the crucifixion of Jesus, that time between the arrest and the crucifixion, Peter moves in, in his life from being a disciple to being a denier. I mean, the scripture says of Peter, uh, and it's, 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 it's understandable that he would be afraid. He doesn't want to be arrested. He doesn't want to be incriminated. He doesn't want to be crucified like Jesus is being crucified. And so he becomes this denier. And the scripture tells us that People ask him, like, aren't you one of the disciples? And he's like, I don't know, I don't know Jesus. Somebody else says, you're a Galilean. We can hear your accent. We know you were with him. And he's like, no, I don't even know the man. Someone asks again and he curses for, for uh, uh, effect. And he says, you know, I, I don't know him. He's a denier. He sees Jesus dies. He sees Jesus laid in the tomb. And yet later... In Acts chapter 2, 22 to 28, Peter is giving this amazing sermon in the city of Jerusalem among the people that crucified Jesus. I mean, listen to the sermon. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, this is Peter now quoting the Psalm that we've already read. I saw the Lord always before me for he is at my right hand and I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced My flesh also will dwell in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. So let me ask you a question. 
what makes Peter a disciple who turns a, a cowardly denier and sees Jesus crucified and sees Jesus laid in a tomb, what makes him days later have kind of the, the courage and the power to speak to the men of Israel in the city of Jerusalem where Jesus was crucified? What gives him that moxie, that chutzpah, that courage? It's only that he has been an eyewitness of the resurrected Jesus. First, he heard it from Mary and the other Mary. Then he went looking himself. The tomb was empty. Then he saw Jesus himself. You don't put yourself at risk for a lie or for a lunatic. And it says of Peter's sermon, it says in Acts chapter 2, that 3,000 men came to Christ and were baptized that day. I mean, that's power that comes from the Holy Spirit. That's courage to stand up and speak that only comes from seeing a risen Lord. You just wouldn't do that. But Peter turns from a, a, a disciple to a denier to this evangelistic apostle who sees many come to, come to Christ under his ministry. He goes to the Jews and then also to the Gentiles, and he is a force to be reckoned with. It's said of Peter in church tradition that at the end of his life, he's martyred, crucified, upside down because he did not feel worthy to be crucified the same way his Lord Jesus was. Who dies for a Lord that is already dead? No one. He has seen the Lord risen. It's an eyewitness account. We also get an eyewitness account from Paul. Now, Paul is a zealous Jewish Pharisee. Paul is that guy. He's head and shoulders above the rest. He is um, intellectual. He's influential. And he is rounding up followers of Jesus and having them persecuted. He is speaking against Jesus over and over again. And on the road to Damascus, he meets Jesus face to face, and his life is changed forever. He goes from being this sort of zealous Pharisee persecuting followers of Jesus to this missionary church planter who takes the gospel to all of Asia Minor and eventually to the uttermost parts of the earth. He writes much of the New Testament and he gives clarity to what happened in those days and how it applies to all of us. Now, Paul says this in Acts chapter 17, verses one to three. It says this of Paul. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Paul went in, as was his custom. And on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead and saying, this Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. And so now you have Paul, this zealous Jewish Pharisee turned believer in Jesus, going to the synagogue in Thessalonica, reasoning from the Old Testament with the Jews, saying, look, all of the scripture points to Jesus. This Jesus that was crucified and raised, he is the Christ. Who changes like that to leave everything that he has known in being a Pharisee and become a follower of Jesus to take the gospel to the outermost parts of the earth. Who changes like that? It's someone that has seen 
the risen Lord. It is an eyewitness account. And then we get Mary. I mean, Mary is one of the disciples of Jesus that you don't hear as much about. She's not listed in the 12 guys, but she is there all the time. She has a past. Jesus Jesus has loved her in spite of her past. He has forgiven her for that past. She has relationship with him as a rabbi. In fact, when she and Mary, the other Mary, go to the tomb, they see Jesus there, and, and John tells us that she doesn't recognize him. She mistakes him for the gardener until he says her name, Mary, and she recognizes his voice. Her ears are open. Her eyes are open, and she says, Rabbani, which means teacher in Aramaic. And she goes running back, and she tells the disciples, like, he's not there. He, he's alive. He's risen. He's back. And they go looking for him, and they see him. They realize he's risen. He's back. Mary is a disciple of Jesus before the crucifixion. She witnesses the crucifixion. She sees him laid in the tomb. She goes to care for him. Days, a day later, three days later, he's already out of the tomb. She testifies to it, and she becomes like a mother of the early church, one of the first disciples. Why would she continue in the faith if Jesus was just crucified and laid in the tomb, if he never came out of the tomb, if he never rose again, why would she continue in the faith? She lives out her name. Her village is Magdala, just along the, the western shore of the Sea of Galilee. Magdala means strong ta- tower. Mary of Magdalene is like this strong tower for the faith. Why does she remain that? She remains that because she has seen the risen Lord, she's an eyewitness. And there were more eyewitnesses. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, three through eight, Paul says this, for I've delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he has appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, Then to the 12, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me. Paul is saying there were hundreds and hundreds of eyewitnesses after Jesus's resurrection. And what the case, the case that he's making and the evidence of the apostles' lives and their deaths would point to it, that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is certain. It is a certain historical fact, and there were eyewitnesses to the occasion, and it changed everything. Now, here's maybe the part that you haven't thought about. You, you might get that for Easter Sunday. You might get that we're celebrating the certain resurrection of Jesus. But the certain resurrection of Jesus ensures your certain resurrection. That means that you are going to rise again, that I am going to rise again from the tomb. Now, that's not natural. It doesn't seem natural. But here's what Jesus says. Go back to John chapter 5, and we'll begin reading in verse 25. He makes some very specific statements here. 
Truly, truly, I say to you. So uh, when you, whenever you get a truly, truly from Jesus, it's like an amen and amen. So be it, so be it. It is very true. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Now, Jesus is saying to his disciples in John 5 and to all of us now that there is coming a time, a very specific time, when dead people will hear the voice of the Son of God and live. Now, John is speaking physically and spiritually all at the same time. We know Ephesians 2 says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. I mean, it is, it is sin that is the virus that is killing us. It enters the picture in Genesis chapter 3 with Adam and Eve, and sin is passed down from generation to generation. Everything is broken. And it is Christ on the cross who pays the price. I mean, clearly the scripture says the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. Why do our bodies die? Because of sin. That's the bottom line reason. And we know we sin. I mean, maybe you don't know all the Bible, but in your heart is written a code. You know when you do things. You might like doing things that are against God or evil or, or wrong. There are, there are sins that you embrace and enjoy. But the reality is we know we do those things. We, no one has to tell us. We get it. It's true. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we were dead in our trespasses and sin, for the wages of sin is death. But Ephesians 2.5 says, even when we were dead in our trespasses, we were made, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Now, this is a, 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 a reversal, a resurrection spiritually. It is that we have been, because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, because he paid the price for our sin on the cross. He endured the wages of sin, death. He died. That death was a substitute for everyone who would, who would believe in him. And so with that work on the cross, he canceled the record of debt that we had in our lives because of sin. He paid the price in full. The penalty for those who believe is, is gone. And what Paul is saying here is that even though we were dead in our trespasses spiritually, he made us alive together with Christ. And it's by his grace that we have been saved, saved from the penalty of sin, which is eternal death. Now, Jesus is also, he's not just talking spiritually, he's also talking physically. Follow this with me for just a moment. Verse 26, for as the father has life in himself, so he has granted the son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the son of man. So Jesus is saying in John chapter five, he's saying there's a time coming when the people in the tombs are going to hear the voice of the Son of Man, they're going to come out of these tombs, and I'm going to execute judgment because all authority to execute judgment has been given to me. Even he said in Matthew 28, 18, just as he gives the disciples this great commission to take the gospel to the whole world and make disciples, he says the very first thing, he says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. He's got all of it. And so he, when you hear about the judge in the scriptures, you're talking about Jesus as the judge who has all authority. Now, 
it goes on, verse 28 and 29. He's going to judge sin with justice. He has every right to do it. Verse 28, don't marvel at this. Don't question it. It's not uncertain. For an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. All who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. So Jesus is making an an astounding statement. It's supernatural. I mean, people don't hear after they're dead, naturally speaking. But Jesus is saying it's certain that a time is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear the voice of Jesus and come out. Now catch this, Matthew says in Matthew 27, 51 to 53, when Jesus was crucified, in that very moment, there was a foreshadowing of all of this resurrection that would take place. In verse 51 to 53 of Matthew 27, it tells us when Jesus died and behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs were also opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city that is Jerusalem and appeared to many. So here Matthew, an eyewitness is saying when Jesus died, Things happened, like supernaturally, ground shook. The the great curtain separating the Holy of Holies from the priestly court in the temple was torn in two. And dead people came out of tombs and walked around the holy city and people saw it and would tell you about it. I mean, this is a foreshadowing of what is to come. That was in his death, but in his resurrection, his certain resurrection, that happened historically, he guarantees that all people will be resurrected again. And here's what it says. Again, verse 29 of John chapter five, they will come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Now here, Jesus goes into two kinds of people. And this is not the only time he does this. He says, there will be some resurrected into a resurrection of life and some resurrected into a resurrection of judgment. Everybody's gonna be resurrected. It's just a matter of, are you raised to walk in life? Are you raised to walk in eternal judgment? Now, Jesus uses different kinds of pictures for this in different places in the New Testament. He says in one place that he will separate the sheep, those resurrected to life, from the goats, those resurrected to judgment. The Bible is clear there, are, there is one resurrection that everybody's going to participate in, but people are going to be raised different ways, some to life and some to judgment. The question is, what kind of person are you? He describes these people. He says, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. So hold on for me here and listen. You have a tendency, the world has a tendency, especially Americans have a tendency to say, well, if I want to be resurrected to life and heaven with Jesus then, and not judgment and hell separated from Jesus, then I have to do more good than bad. That's what we do with a scripture like this. Uh, those who have done good to resurrection of life, those who have done evil to resurrection of judgment. It's not what the scripture is teaching, but this is what we do with it. We pretend there's some like magic scale. 
And if I do enough good works, I'll be raised to, to life in heaven with Jesus. If I do too many bad works, I'll be raised to judgment and life in hell. It's not what it's teaching. You have to take it in context of all the gospel. And what we learn is of first importance, that Jesus died on a cross to save us from our sins. See, if it was the scale model, our sin would always way outweigh our good works. We cannot do enough good works to save ourselves. If we could, there would have been no reason for Jesus to die on a cross, no reason for him to raise again to walk in newness of life. But I'm telling you, the best person you know has not done enough good works to overcome the brokenness and sin in their life. We cannot do it. And so Jesus hung on that cross to cancel our sin debt, to erase the record of our sin. And the scripture says he clothes us in righteousness, making us being able to raise, to to do good works and to be raised to life. Versus trying hard to do good things and finding out at the end, we're gonna be raised to judgment. People who don't believe in Jesus for salvation are raised to judgment. People who do believe on Jesus for salvation are raised to life. Now, here's the thing. Works matter. Jesus did the full work on the cross for your salvation, but works are evidence of salvation. Obedience is evidence of our love. Now, James addresses this clearly because he knew people would have a tendency to believe a false gospel that would say, if I just do the right works or enough works, I'll be saved. And this is not the case. Works are a litmus test of faith, but they are not salvation by themselves. Now, James said it this way, James chapter 2, 14 to 18. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to him, go in peace, be warm and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. What Jesus is saying is the ones that are resurrected to life are the ones that have believed on him for salvation and because of it loved him and obeyed him and lived out these good works that we were created to do for his glory and for the good of humanity. But those that are raised to judgment, they might even have some good works in their life, but they are considered evil because they have not believed on Jesus and been made righteousness because because of their faith. And so their good works, any amount of good works that they do are trumped by their sin. Now here, here's the thing. It says in scripture in Hebrews chapter 9, 27, it's appointed once for men and women to die and then to face the judgment. We are all going to face judgment. The judge will be Jesus, the one who hung on the cross, the one who rose again, from the dead. And when we show up at judgment, when, wh- however long we get to live on this planet, it's appointed once for man to die, then to face the judgment. When we show up at judgment, what's going to happen? One of two things. 
the scripture teaches us. He's gonna separate the sheep from the goats. Some are gonna be resurrected to life. Some are gonna be resurrected to judgment. So when we show up at judgment, the judge, Jesus, looks us in the eyes. If we believed on him for salvation and we're made righteousness by believing in the work that he did on the cross, believing that he was raised from the dead and loving him, walking in him, then we will be given uh, a resurrection to life. That means eternity in heaven with him, with other believers forever and ever and ever. It's certain. But if we show up, he will judge our sin based on our belief. We're all sin and we fall short of the glory of God. But if we did not believe on Jesus for salvation, then we have nothing that we show up with good enough, no work good enough that would say, uh, you, you should resurrect me to life. I should be with you forever because inside this new city of Jerusalem, this new heaven, there will not be any sin allowed. Only those cleansed by the blood of Jesus will enter it and be resurrected to life. So if you've been raised to judgment because you haven't believed on Jesus for the forgiveness of sin, then your judgment is separation and hell for eternity. And it is clear, it is certain according to the scriptures. It's not popular. It's not a message people want to embrace. I probably wouldn't be invited on the Today Show to share this message because in a, in a way, it doesn't feel good. It should bring either assurance for the believer or warning for those who have yet to believe. Assurance to the believer or warning for those who have yet to believe. Our future resurrection is certain because Jesus's resurrection is certain. So what am I supposed to do with that? I mean, you might ask yourself this question like, okay, I'm watching this on my phone or sitting in my living room and watching this or, or just catching it on some podcast and I, I, I hear what you're saying, but what do, I, what do I do? I mean, the scripture's clear. Romans chapter 10, verse nine, it says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That means you will be resurrected to life and not resurrected to judgment. So you need to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you need to believe in your heart God raised him from the dead. That is your very first step. So how do you take it? Well, here's what you do. You may have never prayed in your life, but if you're even thinking about praying right now, you can rest assured that God, by his Holy Spirit, is drawing you to himself. And all you need to do is pray. And, and you pray something like this. It's not magic words. What matters is the desire of your heart, the intent of your heart. But you need to pray something like this, like, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, forgive me. I know that you died on a cross to forgive me of my sins and cancel my record of wrongdoing. I know that you took the penalty for me. I know you paid the price. Thank you. Thank you. I confess you as Lord and I believe that you were resurrected from the dead, that you have power over sin and death. And because of that, I put all my faith in you, all my hope in you. Come into my life, forgive me of my sin and be Lord of my life. You need to pray something like that. And when you pray, the scripture teaches us 
that he instantly changes you. You're not a goat. You're not at war with him. You're not going to be resurrected to judgment anymore. Because of Jesus, you're going to be resurrected to new life, eternity with him. He's going to walk with you now. He's going to put his Holy Spirit inside of you. He's going to put other people around you to help you know how to walk with Jesus. And when you die and you go to the judgment seat, you will be viewed as righteous because of the blood of Jesus, because you believe. See, your response needs to be belief and confession. If you responded that way today, if you would say, you know what? I prayed that prayer and and I asked Jesus to be Lord of my life and forgive me of my sin. I believe. If you prayed that prayer today, we want you to text the word response to 94090. Response, the word response to 94090. See, you need to tell somebody that you took this step. It's not a private thing. Our faith is never private. It's always in community. And when you reach out to us and text, we're going to send you a form right back and you tell us, I received Jesus Christ for salvation today. And we're going to get that information. We're going to follow up with you. We're going to help you take a next step, a great next step. We have a new reading plan at bayarea.church slash live. You just go there. You click on the reading plan. We're going to be, begin an entire new reading plan tomorrow, Monday, beginning in Psalm 1. We've just finished 21 days of prayer and fasting ending today with He is Risen. But tomorrow, we're going to open right in the middle of our Bible to Psalm chapter 1, and we're going to read it. And what happens is the Holy Spirit will disciple you through His Word, brand new believer. If you open it and read it, ask Him to speak to you, He will speak to you. Go get that reading calendar for all the month of April and part of May. Read along with us and pray. That's, that's a great next step. So if that's you, you, you prayed to receive Christ, text the word response to 94090. Some of you have heard this message today. And the first part of it may have been what you expected, that Jesus is risen from the dead. But the second part of it might have been something that you weren't expecting, that it's certain that you are going to raise from the dead because of Jesus. And, and maybe you thought to yourself, you know, I believe that Jesus died on a cross to save me f- from my sin. Somewhere back there, I, I prayed and I-, I confessed him as Lord, but right now, I am far from God. I am so far from God. I mean, my works, they don't represent my faith. And so maybe you, maybe you need to pray and you need to ask the Lord to draw you near to him. And and a great step for you would be to text the word response to 94090 and tell us, today I'm rededicating my life to Jesus. I don't know a better word than rededication or I would use it, but you're simply saying, I once believed and and I got far from God. Somehow I ended up here and I just want to come back into right relationship with him. And you you just pray like, Lord, draw me back. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me from walking away from you and doing things my own way or or whatever, however you ended up where you are. And let us know you rededicated your life. We are going to reach out to you because all of us need help walking with Jesus. We're going to reach out to you and we're going to say, yay, for one thing. But second, like, let us help you take your next steps.
It'd be good for you to get that reading list too at bayarea.church live. Like start tomorrow reading Psalm 1. Ask the Lord, speak to me. Some of you today, uh, you believe. Maybe you believe for the first time today or maybe you've believed for a long time, but you've never been baptized. And the scripture teaches us that we should be baptized following our commitment of faith in Jesus Christ. A lot of us were baptized as infants. We don't really remember it. It was very meaningful for our family. But the biblical baptism is more a baptism of faith that says, once I've confessed Jesus Christ and believe that he was raised from the dead, I should be baptized. Your baptism is like your coming out party. You're saying to the community of faith, look, I'm a follower of Jesus. It's something that he did. He demonstrated for us And now we do it in him. And if you need to be baptized, either because today you receive Christ as your Savior and Lord, or you've been walking with Jesus, but you've never been baptized uh, by faith, after you receive Christ by faith, then you also text 94090. Text the word response to 94090 and just tell us, like, I I, want to be baptized and we'll connect with you help you with that process. And then finally, if you just need someone to pray with, you need a pastor to talk to, a minister to talk to, we we wanna talk to all of you. We wanna connect with all of you. Maybe you're feeling fear or anxiety, you're feeling isolated or alone, you're struggling with addiction. I don't know what what the deal is. But if you need to talk with somebody, maybe you have big faith questions and you need to talk to somebody, you can also text the word, text the word response to 94090 and let us know you want to talk to a minister, a pastor, an elder, somebody who can help you with your questions or give you counsel in your time of need. Here's what I know. The resurrection of Jesus is certain. <laughs> and because of that, your resurrection is certain. And I pray for you today that you see that clearly, that you hear it clearly, and that you respond to Jesus in faith. His resurrection is certain, and so is yours. Can you, let's just pray together. Just bow your head wherever you are, and let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we are uh, people enamored with what the scripture says about you. That you were crucified and then on the third day you rose again and we celebrate it today. And we hear what the scripture says that your resurrection means our resurrection. So by your spirit, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, would you open minds and hearts of people? Would you woo them by your spirit and let them have faith to believe for salvation, that they might be raised, resurrected to life and saved from a resurrection of judgment. God, would you let them hear these things as certainty? It's not uncertain. What's uncertain is, will we live today the rest of the day? What's uncertain is, will we gather as a church in a building three weeks from now? We don't know. What's uncertain is our economy our health, but what is certain is that you defeated sin and you rose from the grave and you ensure our coming resurrection. And so we place our faith in you. We love you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying, for saving us, for grace, for mercy. I didn't deserve it, 
We didn't deserve it, but we believe it. We trust you. We place all our hope in you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Sing this with us.